Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pucks on the Dasher, a hockey podcast. I'm your host, Adam Glass, and with me this week as co-host, the co-host of the Scene on Screen podcast, Sean Robinson. Co-host? Co-host? What? You have a co-host on that show? So you're a co-host, too. You can't have a a host and a co-host. That just is awkward for somebody. Yeah, I call hosting because I push the button. (laughs) Okay, then I'm officially always been the host of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, 100%. You say, I'm your host, Adam Glass. That's true. Okay, the host of the Scene on Screen podcast. Also, trivia master himself, Sean Ross. Oh, now, now we're talking. Now we're talking. How are you, Adam? How are you? I'm okay. I'm, I hate to say it, uh, even though I will be there at Trivia this week, this is a topic that, like, the only thing that you could maybe pick worse for me as a topic would be only country music. Uh, see, we had enough complaints about that, that that's never going to happen. So. <laughs> uh, I'm excited for, for trivia this week. We're doing an all-Christmas theme, so uh, it, it'll be it'll be interesting, especially because there's a lot of points of contention. I'll, uh, I'll give it to your listeners, because why not? Um, we're doing a not-Christmas round, but it's all holiday movies, and I, I still believe Die Hard in my heart is a Christmas movie, but because Bruce Willis said it's not, I found it really easy to write a question in that category just because of that asterisk, right? <laughs> so like, I didn't have to come up with 10 questions. I had to come up with nine because I already had Die Hard in the chamber. Uh, is there is there any category that's like movies that Shane Black wrote that inexplicably always contain a Christmas tree farm? No. No, unfortunately not. But... I did bring back a round that we tried out for the first time at the Music Mania, and uh, I think it like it was a really big hit there. So uh, cool. I'm excited to bring it back. We're doing eight bit inspired Christmas music. Oh God! D- oh. So fire up those Nintendos. I feel like I know the words to so many Christmas songs, but maybe don't know all the titles. Yeah, and that's what I'm banking on. Okay, well, um, me and my solo self will be there at Trivia, I hope, on Wednesday. Hey, well, it's, it's going to be a good time, so uh, we hope to see you. It's been it's been nice. Um, last week, or two weeks ago, the, the crowd was surprisingly larger than we thought it would be. A lot of people walked up at the last minute. It was a really, like, packed house. It was really, really loud, which made it really hard to do some of the audio clips. So we've, uh, we've put some rules in place for this week, but we're, we're still pretty excited. So that is this Wednesday at 7 o'clock at TWB. Uh, that is musical, well, Christmas trivia hosted by Sean Robinson. That's me. Uh, okay, so this week uh, we're going to do a few uh, what we've been... Have you watched the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special, and do you want to talk about it if you have? Adam, Adam, Adam. This means you didn't listen to our last episode. I haven't listened definitely, yet. Definitely. I haven't listened yet. Definitely 100% watched it. Did okay. So since I didn't listen yet to last week's episode of your podcast, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, initially, I was a little skeptical as to what they could do with a 45-minute um, special. What I really did enjoy is they they kind of verbatim stole the Star Wars Christmas special. There was a cartoon facet. There was a nonsensical Christmas quest. There was no violence. Well. Okay, there was a little violence, but it, it, it was it was more or less designed to to really emphasize and spotlight characters that you didn't really get to watch. 
a lot. And I thought um, Pom Clementoff and Dave Batista were incredible in the special. Um, not enough credit goes to them, especially because everybody focuses on like the two main ones, which were at the time Gamora and uh, Star Lord, but now it's kind of like Nebula and Star Lord. So it's it was a good special. I really enjoyed it. It's it's something to watch if you do like Marvel and you enjoy Marvel. Um, it is a little spoilery if you watch title cards because it definitely gives up who the Black Panther is like within the first five seconds of the, the, the special. Oh, yeah, that's um, true. But I also did love how the comic book pages were all when the Avengers had met Santa at different times. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, I wasn't even going to watch it. And then I had a night where I was like, I bet you I have about 45 minutes worth of time that I could stay awake. So I turned it on. I actually really enjoyed it. I'm not a big songs in movies or shows guy. And I actually was fine with all the music. There is a lot of music in that, but I guess that's a guardian staple, but this is more people singing rather than, you know, um, licensed music being played. But um, like I said, Batista and, well, Mantis and Drax are amazing. Um, they totally drive the whole thing. All the, uh, I guess, Kevin Bacon stuff is pretty funny. I actually, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And when it ended, I was actually like, oh, it's over? I actually, because most of the Guardians movies are like some of the longer ones, you know, Endgame or Infinity War aside of the MCU. Yeah. So to see only 45 minutes of it, I was kind of like, actually, that was kind of perfect. A nice little like nugget, if you will, to get you ready for GOG 3. I'm not going to lie, though. I'm very skeptical of how Guardians 3 is going to go, because I think they're going to kill two main characters. Herbert Death isn't really a thing in the MCU, and we're going to learn that in the, with Secret Wars, because you know damn well Tony Stark's coming back as like AI or something. Um, there's rumors that part of the deal to get Hugh Jackman into Deadpool was also to have a cameo in Secret Wars. There's a whole bunch of stuff. But what kind of skeezes me a little bit is when you look at something like Thor Love and Thunder and every trailer made it seem like the Guardians were going to be heavily influenced in that movie and they mm. just were only there for not even the first quarter. Maybe it was yeah. like a tenth of the movie. Like, what are, you, what are you going to do? Like, you're going to focus so much on Adam Warlock and everything that's going to happen with Quantumania and everything with Ant-Man. I just, I think this movie... I think it's going to be James Gunn's swan song, and I think that's great. But this iteration of the Guardians is gone. We're maybe going to get one or two of these characters to remain. I, I'm guessing if 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 I were to, to stake my reputation on it right now, which isn't a very big one, I would say you're going to keep Mantis, you're going to keep Nebula, and Rocket. I think those are going to be the three characters go, going forward. And maybe Groot, because you can do like a buddy cop thing. And he's just CG, or now he's just Vin Diesel in a very clear costume. But I don't think you're going to have Quill anymore. I think Disney's done with Pratt. And that's also fairly evident. So I, I don't know how much more they can do with that. Um, Zoe Saldana said... The last 10 years of her life, she spent all her time doing Avatar and MC, uh, MCU stuff. So she's done nothing else with a career, but would welcome the opportunity to come back. Secret Wars! That's what I'm seeing. I just, I think it's time that we say goodbye to the Guardians. They were really refreshing at first. Second movie was kind of meh. 
is what it is. They'll never get rid of the property. They'll just change the roster. Yeah. It's it's too valuable of a property for them to get rid of it. It'll be Guardians of the Galaxy headed by whoever essentially is going to be the cheapest for them to retain for the most amount of years. Well, Marvel's kind of walked away from multi-year contracts too, right? So a lot of people are on like film to film. Like this Tom Holland deal that came out like a month ago is six films, but two and a half of them are Sony. So we'll see. Yeah, I don't I don't get into the, all that back like all the spoiler potential stuff. Like I kind of I don't even watch the trailers. I kind of remove all myself from all that stuff because it just I don't know. It's, there's so much misinformation I'm sure out there with what potentially could be happening and then I think it just leads to too much disappointment. Yeah, I live eat breathe sleep Maple Leafs and Spider-Man. Spider-Man. I love I love the MCU, but I also love the Maple Leafs. Do you uh do you actively read comics still? Um, I did for a while at the beginning of the year and through the pandemic. I got a really good deal on the Marvel Unlimited subscription, mm. like $59 for the year. But they just sent me a renew notice for $119, so I hit cancel. <laughs> I mean, there are perfectly um, easy ways, you could say, to find the Marvel collection to put on your computer. Yeah. I, I will say, though, like, I really liked when they were releasing those little mini comics before movies. Mm. Um, so if you, like, pre-ordered a ticket, you got, like, the comic, or you were able to just, like, pay 99 cents to get it. Um, but Marvel Unlimited, I had this goal at the beginning of the year that was fairly lofty. I wanted to read every Spider-Man comic from the original Amazing Spider-Man, which was, like, 500 comics. I just couldn't do it. Have you... <laughs> did you start at number... Like... I I am also a like Spider-Man is my guy and I have read probably half of those issues for sure if not more and I own probably almost 200 issues of Amazing um yeah. from the original run I have multiple you know trade paperbacks if you will of the first you know 20 30 issues of Spider-Man and that early stuff is so wordy and so boring for the most part that like I've never been able to get through any of them the early Avengers stuff is okay but it's still just panels upon panels of just like giant word bubbles that are going nowhere yeah amazing spider-man is a lot to kind of go through but um marvel unlimited is really cool because you can like you can have it on panel mode so you're reading it on your phone or your ipad you just click the panel and then the next panel just comes up so you don't you don't feel overwhelmed but like some of the early um amazing and spectacular spider-mans with like the fantastic four and vulture they're just they're so dry you have to read so yep. much information there's a lot there is the, definitely a lot. if you're going to to me personally if you're going to actually get into stories that feel a little more the later the mid to late 70s stuff and the like the peak 80s stuff is really where the writing, if you will, started to actually, you got the early Alan Moore stuff, the Neil Gaiman, early Sandman stuff, like the Alan Moore Swamp Thing run. I don't know if you've ever read that before, but it's not only one of the best comic series runs ever, it's one of the best things of literature I've ever read. Really? It's insanely crazy and philosophical and deep and like, it goes places that you never expect and deals with like humanity and is he a person? Is he not? What is a person? Like all this stuff. It's crazy. That run. Nice. The entire amazing series is 441 episodes. 
spanning from 1963 to 1998. Uh, where? Uh, for some reason, I can't find. If I had my phone in front of me right now, I could tell you how many issues of Amazing I actually own physically because I I have an app on my phone with my entire comic collection on it. Oh, your cat, your catalog, nice. Um, yeah, some of this. So like. My last era of buying singles would have been like late 90s, early 2000s. Like I have Kevin Smith's Green Arrow run in singles um, from when it came out originally, but I don't have first issues. I think I do have the second issue, but not the first. Uh, the most expensive thing from that era I have is I have the What If comic where Mary, like Spider-Man and Mary Jane, or well, Peter and Mary Jane had a baby that was Mary Jane Parker. And she was like a spider woman type thing. And that was her first appearance was in a what if. And I own that issue and I bought it off the rack for like a buck 50. And on eBay right now, like graded copies are going for like $500. Nice. That's a good score. So I just got lucky or old, whatever, however you want to phrase it with those comics. But okay, this is a hockey podcast. So we should probably get into hockey stuff now. Um, We just burnt like the first 20 minutes talking about not hockey. That's fine. That that's happened before. Um, if I could probably have done an hour on with with Tyler on Call of Duty every week, even though I didn't play it, he would probably talk about it for an hour. He's talking about the latest meta, <laughs> or whatever a skin is, or whatever that stuff is going. I don't know. What's a Warzone, Sean? Do you play? You probably play COD, right? I do. Yes, I play COD and I play Warzone. Do you play GTA Online? Uh actually, uh, a few buddies of mine and I just downloaded it. So. Um, I think I had it originally for like through the Epic portal, but if you have it on PC, you can actually play like these, um, what's it called? GTA RPGs. So there's like cops and robbers ones. There's like real world meetups where you guys like, like fast and the furious kind of shit where you do like heists and whatever. So a few of us are going to dabble into that because we think it's hilarious. Yeah, GTA Online always felt like a thing that's only fun if you have a, a group of people to play with. And I don't have a group of friends that can commit. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't have four or five people I know that are willing to game, like, a few hours every week or whatever. I just kind of mostly independently game for the most part. Yeah, I feel that. Okay, hockey. Um, I will go into hockey. our fantasy weeks. Um, but I'm going to do it in a slightly different order than I usually do since we share the big pool together. Um, so I'll go through my other two pools quickly here before we get into the big pool stuff. Gotcha. Uh, but I was lucky enough to have a 3-0 and fantasy week. Um, in the points pool, I had the most fantasy points of any team for the week, which hasn't happened too often this week, which means I might catch up in some of these tiebreakers here for total points, uh, which in a league where 500 generally is the last playoff spot, that actually can really matter. Um, and over in the auction pool, I played the same team that I played in the big pool and I managed to pull off a bigger win in the auction pool, even though he arguably has a better team in that pool. Um, so I got a seven, two win in the auction pool, which brought me finally back to 500 in that pool. Uh, and I think I finally moved up to seventh instead of eighth. Hey, look at that. And I am almost within striking distance, maybe if first in my division now. So that's all right. Nice. Nice. Uh, how did your big pool week go, Sean? Uh, my big pool week went actually really well, but I have to shout out the T-Bird guys that are in the uh, the football pool. And the only reason I have to is I had a perfect season, Adam. Like you I, went defeated? I went defeated. I'm the, <laughs> old, I, I'm the first team in years to go defeated. But 
so last year I pushed every single chip I had into um, into the pot. I made every deal possible. I I dealt every pick that was within the first six rounds. I I emptied the cupboards and I went on a playoff run and I won some money and I was super happy. And this year I came into the season with uh, suspend or I, I let him go to um, the draft, but I came into the season after I redrafted him with a, sus- a suspended player, a broken player, a player that was going to be on the IR for the first three weeks, uh, and a young good quarterback. Now I don't have any of those pieces. I traded everything away at the deadline. And I made some pushes. I scared some people in the last few weeks, but uh, it's quite the accomplishment because it's just as hard to go 0-13 uh, as it is to go 13-0. and And I made sure I had a legal roster every single game. I had no running backs, though, so it was like crazy. But I needed to shout that out because it got called out this morning in the pool, even though there is a slight chance that I win this week. There is a very minuscule chance that I have two players go off and I can pull off an upset. Hopefully when you guys are listening to this, I'm 0-13 because that's an accomplishment in itself. So in that pool, if you finish last, you automatically get first overall next year? Yeah. So I'm guaranteed either the best non-keeper or the best call – Whoever's drafted first overall in the NFL. So I'm guaranteed the first overall pick. There's oh, no lottery in football. That's something, I guess. But how often does like that first overall pick actually pay off in a football pool? Um, this year, who had it? I didn't have a pick until like the third round. And usually I like if I have two picks, I deal one Andy. So <laughs> it's uh he just always comes up to me and is like, Hey, uh, let's make a trade. And I'm like, Hey, I like to dance. So that is too many cooks. Let's see who was taken first overall. Draft results by round. So the first first round, I think. Yeah, first round was James Conner, and he did incredibly well this year. I don't. He's he's kind of had like a resurgence. So I would like my first pick was until the third or fourth round. So yeah, I just wanted to shout that out. Now back to hockey, <laughs> where uh, where honestly the most hilarious outcome of my fantasy year has already happened. So like I I think I've peaked. I, I started off the season really well, as you know, and then uh, there was a very controversial trade I was involved in. <laughs> if you guys can remember, it was uh. That Maple Leaf tandem and Pierre-Luc Dubois. And, uh, I, re- I received all those players for essentially Spencer Knight and nothing. And I think I got a first-round pick out of it, too, if I remember correctly. Well, I got to play Bob this week. And it went exactly the way I thought it would. The, the Leaf goalies decided they were going to play lights out last weekend or last week. And I, I killed them. It was great. I think I, what was it seven one? Uh, seven two seven three. I it was a, it was a big win. You statistically had one of probably the best weeks for goaltending I've ever seen in this pool period in the over decade that I've been in it. And the guy you were playing didn't even get his goalie start, so it didn't even really matter as long as you got three starts. And I think that is hilarious. Yeah. So I had. I won 8-3. My, uh, my goals against average is 
Um, save percentage was two, or saves was 200. Save percentage was 948, and I had two shutouts. And five wins, which is crazy. Yeah, and it's Murray, Skinner, and Samsonov. Just a heater of a week. Just so, a banger. In my big pool week, I managed to eke out a 5-4 victory over our one of the, like, well, he's in 17th of 18th place, but his team is definitely not reflective of that. It's more due to his goaltending than anything, because he smoked me in most offensive categories. I just happened to squeak out plus, minus, and power play points and hits. Uh, and then my goalies just happened to be slightly less crappy than his were last week. Yeah, it was a, it was a bizarre week. For hockey, I think, period. There were some crazy games last week. Like, who who were the goaltenders in that uh, Vancouver-Montreal game last week? Where well, Montreal they, was up 4 nothing and then they lost 6-5 in overtime? Vancouver only plays Spencer Martin at this point because that's the only guy they have. Oh, yeah, it was him or Delia. Sucks, so. and well, Demko's hurt. Um, and then for Montreal, I assume it would be Allen or Montem. Who's their backup? Montembeau? Montembeau, yeah. Or Caden Primo if he's up, but I don't think he is. I don't think he is because that would have been all over Habs Twitter. Yeah. The Savior is coming back. But yeah, uh, it's like I, I couldn't believe the week I had. And I'm not getting a lot from like my roster, really. Like, I don't know if I just look at it wrong and I'm like, oh man, hits aren't that important. But now that we've lost penalty minutes, like hits really are a non-consequential like category. I mean, it could make or break a week, but like it's not like I played a bunch of heavy hitters this week. I I like I was out hit 65 to 37. And wow. the two big hitters there were Deliandra and Sandine. I I had 93 hits this week. Like if you if you're trying to guarantee yourself one cat every week, go for it, I guess. But like it just doesn't seem like I uh, basically specifically made sure that if I was trying to make a decision at the draft this year between multiple players, if they did not do well in peripherals like shots and hits, then that was always my decision maker. Yeah. It's I mean the only reason Nick Dowd's still on my team. Like he, he puts up five to ten hits a week. How can I say no? Kevin Hayes had 21 shots last week. Yeah, shots? Did I? Did I, I won that category. That was that was okay. I lost but, uh, shots, but I mean, I had Nick Robertson with three shots before he left the game. What a oh, it, what a what an interesting game, LA and Toronto was. But I know you want to do some other fantasy stuff. We got other Let's stuff do to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Um. Okay. So. My poo-poo performer for this week uh, will be Mr. Matt Duchesne, who went Cobb 3, like minus 3, uh, with 5 shots and 1 hit. Not great. Bad. Fair. I uh, I have two poo-poo <coughs> excuse me, performers. And one made his way to waivers today. I, I dropped Ryan Strom after a goal and one shot on goal. <laughs> Like I knew, like times are tough in Anaheim, but like, what's going on over there? <laughs> you're you're, getting, uh, you're shooting a thousand, I guess, for the week, but like, come on. They're they're a team that is better off being bad right now, and they have a coach who probably needs to for sure get fired at this point. But there's no point in doing that this year unless things get like toxic in the dressing room, right? 
Yeah, but like some of their young guns and their kids aren't playing well enough to kind of justify it. Like put some structure in there to give them something. Anything. Well, they'll they'll just let them run out the string for like 50 or 60 games where it gets near the end of the year, and then they'll just shoot them in the head, let the interim take over for 25 games, let the players just do what they want, and they'll probably win like 10 of, you know, 25 or something, and everybody will be like, oh, they turned the corner. You know, that's usually what happens. But like, what benefit is this doing like a young player like McTavish? <sighs> I mean, crazy. he's too good to go down. You probably can't send him to the AHL depending on his contract, so... Just let them figure it out. Uh, I don't know. You're not trying to win there. You're not. You're not trying to win. Then why didn't you move Hiller? Well, they should move a lot of guys, and they haven't. No. John Gibson, why didn't you move Jonas Hiller? Holy crap. Well, probably because nobody wants him. (laughs) The the only teams that wanted him he refused to go to. Didn't, like, Toronto and Edmonton knock on his door last year? Uh, Maybe, but I still can't see Toronto going down the rabbit hole for that guy his nothing there's nothing even under the hood that is good with john gibson's game right now yeah he sucks he's terrible yeah he's terrible um, the only other bad performer i had last week was nicky bob and he separated his shoulder or broke his shoulder one of the two so <laughs> that poor yeah. guy's got no luck right now man and his brother's just lighting up the league eh uh no luck right now and uh and like his draft, his trade value is also like non-existent now too, which he is com- double shitty. You remember when the Leafs had um, Chris DiDomenico? No, they had him too. What was the 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 kid's name who broke his leg? He was like a Team Canada phenom. Was it, was it Esposito or Angelo? Uh, they had Angelo Esposito for like a hot minute one year. Yeah, and then he broke his leg, and it was like like they were just done with him already too. Yeah, I think the problem now in Leafland with like these kids is they're holding on to them too long, and if they're not flourishing into something, they're not getting value out of them either. So, I mean, if I were them, I probably would have moved Robertson at the beginning of the season while you had the opportunity to, but now you don't. You you're stuck with him. You've got to figure out if he's good or bad in the next year and a half. Well, speaking of the Maple Leafs, my super-duper star for the week, fantasy-wise, is a Maple Leaf. And one of Sean's favorite players, uh, he had three goals, four assists, plus three, three power play points, 13 shots on goal, a face-off win, and a block. That would be William Nylander. When did you acquire Nylander? Last year? Uh, this is in points pool. I don't have oh. him in big pool. Oh, see, I thought we were still talking about the same pool. I was like, Austin Matthews is one of my favorite players. Thanks. The the big pool is the only pool I do not have Nylander in. (laughs) Could you imagine what his price tag is right now? Well, I I was mad when he was traded last year or whatever it was that I wasn't consulted because I would have for sure overpaid for him. Yeah. It's like I, I tried to make I tried to take a shot at Marner when Marner was absolutely trash earlier in the season. And it would have cost me that special lottery ticket I have, plus my own lottery ticket. So not worth it. Yeah, probably not worth it. Like that wasn't even enough. Yeah, that's probably not worth it, especially this year. Yeah. Uh, I've got my eyes set on a a very special player. His name is. Uh, I would assume your super duper star for the week will also be Maple Leafs related. (laughs) I mean, it's hard not to take. Three wins and two shutouts and a goal against <laughs> of like one. 
do you have anybody you want to give an honorable mention to maybe? Uh, I would love to. I would love to give pa- uh, Patrick Line a super duper star sticker of approval. Like what, John? You got Patrick Line? Yeah, I've done a lot since I've been on the podcast last. Yeah, um, and speaking <laughs> of, that's what you just transitioned. You should have kept going. We're actually going to go through a bunch of trades that have happened uh, in the big pool since Sean has last been on the podcast. So I'm going to let Sean kind of walk us through this. All right, well, T-Berg, let's get ready. I'm just re-pulling up all the trades. So are we just going back to, when was I on last? Uh, I don't remember, a month ago probably. Yeah, okay, so yeah, like mid? Probably first or second weekend of the season, I would think. Yeah, so we'll start at... um, Why don't we start at your line A trade? That's probably a good spot. I was was gonna talk about how Corelva Mecca got traded. Oh, okay. Yeah, you want to you want to talk about Veshmelka getting traded for Kakinen? <laughs> yeah, like I understand what Phantoms are doing with the pool, and I, I like I appreciate it, I respect it completely. But like, I can't believe that you spent a fourth to also get Kakinen. I I borderline right now. If Anderson suddenly was going to be out for another two months, I would borderline trade for Veshmelka right now. <laughs> do you, Do you want to do this like? early 2000s radio stations with the pump it or dump it like do we pump the trade or do we dump the trade oh, okay you got to define what that means like do we do we say the trade is good so we pump oh it so like, like what, what's your pass fail on here i don't know just like we usually i usually just do random thoughts but it's sometimes it's hard with context too right because True, without I those mean, teams being on here or seeing what they're like to me it's it's just as much about what is your can i see the direction that you're taking on with your roster as much as whether was this a good trade because sometimes something that looks like maybe not necessarily a good trade on the surface when you look deeper at their roster and maybe what they're trying to do with it construction wise it might make more sense i i 100 percent with that so we'll, do, we'll just say it's like a good trade or a bad trade we won't do what tyler does where he's just like trash pass although i find it really funny when he does that when he's not interested in a trade or a move he's like just move on i like that. <laughs> you could borderline say that was the, the podcast at one point <laughs> That's fair. Um, next trade we had was um, Ryan Johansson for Kyler Yamamoto. I found that trade to be kind of interesting because, oh, how the mighty have fallen fantasy-wise with Johansson. But uh, I like the intangible Yamamoto could come with if he gets some power play time. Or if he gets to see a little bit of ice time with McDavid, you never really know what's going to happen. Well, if they do indeed trade Pugliarvi, you would assume that that would open up more ice for Yamamoto to do something. You would assume. That's true. Um, a, a co-host to co-host trade happened next. Uh, Varlamov got dealt from my team to Adam's team for an eighth. Um, I needed to open up a space on my roster, and this deal upset like two people. <laughs> I, I, I worked Sean for weeks over this trade because I was not willing to give up almost anything. <laughs> yeah, and at the end of the day, like this was an auto-draft pick for me. I never wanted him. And I'm very happy with my goals. I'm, I'm incredibly happy. So it's okay. I have three leaps and I have skipping. Yeah, you're doing all right goaltending wise. And honestly, after Anderson went down, if I wouldn't have made this trade, like if I would have waited to make this trade after Anderson got hurt, then you would have had every right to rake me over the coals for it. So I think I got lucky with the timing here. You did. And he's been a very average goaltender. So I'm, it's not like I'm... I could have really got more. Like the best I probably could have got if I tried was like a seventh or a sixth. Mm. 
I was offered like Thomas Grice when I was still sitting on Bennington. So like there was opportunities to have a second tandem out there. I just didn't care. Yeah. And I have Sorokin. So the real value of Varlamov in this pool is really low for almost anyone but me too. Right. So yeah. Um, Next up, my favorite trade of the entire pool. I dropped (laughs) Jared Spurgeon three days before he got picked up and dealt for Laurent uh, Brossois. Just my favorite trade because like, I love when players like a take opportunity to trade a player that has been picked up or dropped and B like when they tell you about it. It's always so funny to me. It doesn't matter what pool you're in because somebody's one man's trash is another man's treasure. Right. And when you look at these trades one by one by one by one, some of them are bad trades, but some of them are also just really funny because people are like so desperate to trade for things that they missed out on waivers. And I think that's really, it's very key, especially in this pool. Yeah, so if you're wondering why somebody would trade for Laurent Boissois, who's playing the minors, it's because they have all the other Vegas goalies but him, so they were just hedging um, and making sure they got everyone, which is very useful given what happened to me in the Kane school tenders this year. Yeah. <laughs> um, Phantom's doing some work and just trading down or trading up to get a pick. How the hell do you say his last name? Sharanovich? Who? Oh, Sharon Govich. Sharon Govich. There you go. So that was a quick little minor trade. Jared Spurgeon gets dealt again <laughs> with a sixth um, to the Lions for Marcus Peterson and a fifth. Again, Bob's just he's playing the same few players and just keeps trading them over and over and over again. Um, then I got bored and I made two trades within a week. I finally let go of Cole Perfetti. I've been in this pool for three years, and I've held him since day one. And I dealt Tyson Berry to the Lions for Patrick Laine. And I didn't think when I sent that deal, it would have been completed without a pick. I am very surprised that he accepted this trade. We went back and forth for a little bit on it. Um, context is everything, but this was another scenario where I was desperately looking for scoring and I was looking for buy low situations. I mean, I think buying low on line A right now is, is a really good, especially in this pool. Like he could win you shots one week alone by himself, um, yeah. which is super valuable. Even if he rounds into a 30, 30, 60 point, but 200 ish shot guy, that's totally worth it in this pool more so than the guys you gave away for him. Yeah, and like I think Tyson Berry's ceiling is coming to a close. He's only going to rack up so many power play, uh, power play points in Edmonton, but he's also falling out of favor in Edmonton because what happened in Colorado and what happened in Toronto is happening in Edmonton. He's a well, one-dimensional, uh, one-dimensional defenseman who misses the net as much as Dion Phaneuf did in his prime. Uh, they also have Evan Bouchard there, who at any given time they could hand the power play one reins over to, and that means that Barry's value is basically non-existent. Yeah, well, I mean, and Mike Babcock did it to Tyson Barry. Yep. And, like, <laughs> Sheldon Keefe did it too. Morgan Riley is far more valuable on offense than Tyson Barry is. Oh, 100 yeah. Morgan Riley can actually help with the transition game a little bit. Like, He's like Barry's playing up towards of 20 minutes a night, but like the better, the worse the Oilers do, I feel like the lower his ice time is going to get because they need to play defense and he can't really do that. 
Yeah. Well, like if I were Edmonton, I would try Barry on forward. You're paying him four million dollars to try it. <laughs> okay, well, he's got one more year left, so. What are they paying him? It's not four. I just had what the cap friendly up, and then I let's see here. Well, while you're doing that, I will talk about the next deal. Also, uh, it is four point five for one more year. Overpayment. Uh, interestingly enough, I moved on from Jordan Bennington, who we talked about earlier. Um, and I apparently traded him a week before he went cuckoo pants. Yeah. So Jordan Bennington, uh, Hampus Lindholm, a third and an eighth, got a return of essentially a first and a second and throwaway players, Strom and Brennan Saab. And now Brian Strom is on waivers. This was just a move to get some picks, in my opinion. Uh, I think you sold high on both players you traded, and to get one and a two out of that is pretty, pretty, pretty good. I wouldn't have traded for either. Like, I would not be giving up my first and second to acquire those two players. I mean, Lindholm is also killing it right now, so we we should give respect on his name. And Look, he's going to have a... He's going to have a peak year, but it's going to be like, what, 45, 50 points? Like, he's not a keeper-worthy player. Like, I don't know. Yeah, but, like, you could also look, you could look at, like, building your roster earlier to try and make sure you fill those holes. Yeah, I just, I don't know. The more people that trade their first right now is better for me. And me. I have, <laughs> I have like, three of them. Um, yeah. Next deal, Karel Vamelka dealt again. <laughs> um, this time to the wheel from the Phantoms again, so awesome! I love uh, it. it. He basically broke even too because he got a fourth for him, so he didn't really. He just trade. I got him. You figure he'd at least try to get one slate. Well, I guess he got a lower pick sent back or something. I don't know, mm-hmm. but he basically flipped him for what he got him for, which seems pointless. But there, there was two really nice little lottery. Um, ball deals if you ask me like this Jonathan Taves and Thomas Tatard swap pretty nice um I mean you're looking at a two-round upgrade for the player who got Tatar right am I reading that right Thomas Tatar and a six for Taves and a fourth yeah um you don't know what team Taves is going to be on at the deadline so this this could be a very nice little deal for the end of the season especially if you're in a playoff contention He's not getting traded. The winged wheel goes out and spends a second and gets hot Sam Macho. I don't know. That is Thomas Shabbat. I have been, I was offered this deal all season and I kept rejecting it because I don't want to give up a second round pick for Thomas Shabbat. I think this is the wrong time to buy Shabbat. And the reason being is Ottawa is at an all time low. They're now in, like, the full-out Bedard conversation. I mean, to me, I am less – I less want to buy Shabbat because Jake Sanderson has shown up, and he actually looks like he might be ready already, which means that Shabbat is probably not getting that PP1 next year. Also fair. And, uh, wow, my brain is stuck. Who just got dealt to Ottawa from Chicago? The Brinkat. Yeah, I don't think he's on the team beyond the the deadline. Well, There's he has no, to resign, so. Well, he doesn't. There's like no preliminary talks have gone well. He's been brought up in the media, and if I were to guess, I think he's gonna choose free agency. I mean, Ottawa, if they they like, 
I feel Ottawa like that they got him for nothing as far as I'm concerned. Like they didn't trade away anything decent to get him. So if you can move him at the deadline, he would probably be do okay. Would you rather have him or Bo Horvat? Because to me right now, Bo Horvat is potentially the best UFA, like the best deadline ad on the board right now is Bo Horvat to me, if he's available. Like, are you talking as like a pure rental? Yeah. What do you think Debrinkat is going to cost next year? Because Horvat's rumored to be eight by eight, but one of the biggest reasons why he's not re-signing is because him and JT Miller hate each other. Uh, Debrinkat's currently making 6.4, so he's going to probably want he's high sevens, if yeah. not eight. So we're lo- yeah. arguably deserves it. So you're looking at 49 to $64 million for either player open market. Cause I don't think you're going to get more than an eight by eight for Horvat unless he's dealt. And then the cost would have to be a little bit lower possibly, but I just, I don't see to bring cat being a fit on that team. Like you watch Ottawa, Ottawa doesn't look right. Claude Giroux could have signed a one-year deal anywhere and then signed for three years in Ottawa to end his career, and he didn't. And it just it doesn't look like it's going well for anybody involved. Like, you see clips of games that Ottawa's playing, and, like, Shabbat's is being a little baby on the bench. Everything is going wrong for that team. They, have, they, they paid Toronto to take a goalie that has, like, a 930 save percentage, and he's playing lights out in front of a good team. Like, obviously, part of the problem was he didn't have a good team in front of him, but, like, Ottawa's still not good. You have Zaitsev in your top six. That's not good. That's bad. I would say it's a combination of an awful defense, goaltending that is also maybe not great, um, and a, a, a coach that probably does not fit the style of the players that he currently has. That could also be fair. I I, I would love to dissect the Sens and, like, I think DJ Smith is a coach for a Flyers team, not a Senators team. Like to hey. me, this this team needs to open it up and go hard on offense. Now they are obviously scoring a lot more this year and getting scored on a lot more this year. But I mean, that could be a double-fisted problem of the defense being like, look at these defensemen. Like, look at their defensemen right now. Who would you want on your actual team? Who would you actually want on your team other than Shabbat? You want Zaitsev? No. You want Hamonic? No. You want Nick fucking Holden? No. You might take Jake Sanderson, but he's still not ready. Like, there's not one there's one guy on this entire defensive roster that I would want on my NHL team right now, and that's Shabbat. Yeah, he, and he's he's pretty good. And like, yeah. you have a 30 year old Anton Forsberg and a 35 year old Cam Talbot as your goalies. Like, that's not that's not going to work. Yeah, well, they thought they uh, they cracked the code, and they were like, you know what? We're going to get rid of Matt Murray. We're going to pay you to take Matt Murray. They're also retaining $1.5625,000 as I like to say, dead cap on Murray also. Yeah, for the next two years. How funny is that? Like between – and then they That's have buyouts from player. Bobby Ryan, Colin White, Michael Dazato, and Dion Phaneuf on the books this year. So between them and Matt Murray, they're paying like over $5 million for players not on their team this year. For a team that is desperately like budget conscious. Like that's <laughs> – so dumb. It's funny because he signed in LA for like a season and then just rode off into the distance. Or two years, right? Who? Uh, Dion Phaneuf. Was it one season or two he played in LA? 
Uh, I don't remember. It's at least one. I don't know. It's hard. <laughs> the Dion Phaneuf stuff, the whole Dion Phaneuf era in Toronto almost makes my brain hurt when I even try and think about it. it it's very true. But okay. So that's that trade. We talked way too much about that. You're welcome. Oh, uh, yeah. We did. We did <laughs> well, we like divulged into Ottawa Senators territory and. Uh, another first off the board. So by my count, I've acquired two. So that's three first rounders in, out of play and now a fourth one out of play um, in a bigger deal here. Justin Schultz, a first in uh, Barkley Goudreau for Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, and an eight. So a guy gave a first round pick for two Boston centers when he already has Pasternak. Maybe he just really likes the Bruins. I mean, you could, but like stacking, especially in this pool, like if the Bruins have one bad week during the playoffs, you're kind of, that's going to hurt you a lot when you have Pasternak, Bergeron, and Krejci. And like last I checked, maybe it's because he's hurt, but Krejci wasn't on the top power play unit. Like I, I don't know. Like neither of these guys are coming back next year. So there's no long-term value. This is purely a one-year play. So you basically gave up a first-round pick for however many games these guys end up playing for the rest of the regular season. And I mean, Craigie's value right now is when he is playing with Hall, they're producing. That's nice, too. I mean, and the okay, so Roaring Lions was currently in, well, wasn't first at one point. They aren't anymore. They historically have not necessarily had the strongest teams in this pool. So maybe they're finally just saying, Screw it, I'm going all in this season. That's fine, but these aren't the two guys that I'm trading my first round pick for. I mean, Bergeron went for a first last year, too. I, I think Bergeron plus is I think Bergeron plus is potentially worth a first, but the plus for me is not David Krejci. I just can't believe that every year this guy's being dealt for a first. <laughs> it's, it's wild. The last two seasons he's been dealt for a first, and this is way earlier on, and I'm willing to bet Bergeron gets moved to the deadline. No, he's desperate. not going to move him again. Why, why not? Oh, what, you if mean, he, what if he falls out? Yeah, I mean, if he falls out, he might. He gave away his... Oh, let's just... Okay, let's look at the... I think he's already kind of banked. He's 115. Oh, he's only... He's only... He's only 11 points up on last... Like, being out of the playoffs. I'm only two points behind him now. So, I mean, okay... So, hilarious. Okay, if he misses the playoffs and gave up a first for Bergeron and Krejci, that would low key be very funny to me. Because um, this is definitely I, I not think, the year you want to do that. I think he's in a good spot, though, for some of the other stuff he's got kind of going on. Like, he's still sitting on Tyler Sagan, who could, like, is having a, like, a very good bounce back year. Um,. He's got Fiala. Fiala's having a good year. Barzal can't score, but he's having a decent season. Like he's got some guys, but he's, he's, he's got, got his goaltending is is tough. He's got Saros, Stellars, who's hurt, and Carter Hart, who like we all know that Philly's completely fallen apart now, and they're not like his hot start in this pool was purely because Carter Hart actually was decent and won a few games to start the year. That's not going to continue now. Yeah. I don't know. He's he's got some pieces, and if he did need to blow it up, he could. He's got some good pieces for the future too. He Carter Verhage is playing very well. Ken Johnson is playing exactly how everybody thought he would. He needs to get in the playoffs and hope that the first couple rounds of the playoffs are when the Flyers like have a decent run again, and then he should be fine because Nashville's all over the place right now too. 
and he's got the most fun name in the NHL, GJ Paterka. Yeah, GJ Paterka. Uh, uh, that just remind. Remember? Oh, I can't think of his name now. So I'm not gonna, there was. Oh, um, what? Remember Pierre Luc Letourneau LeBlond? <laughs> yeah. I'm just waiting for Jake and Smallwood to finally make his NHL debut. One uh, day it'll happen. Just um, buy the, buy the jersey yeah. for all your friends. To round it out. So maybe I'll do this once a month. I'll come back with you and we'll talk about all the transactions because it's kind of fun. Uh, to round it out, we had our, our, yours truly, I guess, with Adam here picking up another nice little tiny deal. It's a, it's a little bit bigger than I think it could have been, but um, Alexander Holds and Dylan Holloway in a fourth was traded away for Braden Shen, Trevor Moore, and a ninth. Uh, this is all about depth and peripherals. Trevor Moore is absolutely going insane in peripherals this year and putting up points here and there. Like he's putting up minimum three shots a night, usually a hit. He had a night of seven hits. He had a night of six shots. Like he had 17 shots last week. This is purely about trying to win peripheral categories every single week, regardless of how my offense goes. And I mean, if you do that, plus have defense goaltending, you can win a lot of weeks. I Plus, like, it's a good Holtz deal. and Holloway were doing nothing on my roster. I probably don't have room to keep either of them this year. Um, so it just free. It literally gave me two useful players for two guys who were just sitting on my roster. And speaking of players sitting on rosters, Rasmus Sandin was traded for a fourth. So a one yeah. one round upgrade. It's As you noticed. You mentioned to me while we were before we started recording that we have a hundred move limit in this pool, and Bob's Phantoms has already had seventy three. We're not even at the end of December. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a it's a it's a thing right now. It's a, he, he's fine. It's good. Uh, he is so. Bob is a player we I've talked about the Phantoms earlier in the year when he was making the the trade that got vetoed with you and all that stuff or with somebody else and then it got vetoed and I talked about how he basically is just stacking nothing but rookies other than dry sidle um but hilariously he currently has an over 500 record and is in 12th place in this pool of 18 yeah, he, teams. He's doing pretty well. Uh he's I doing pretty well. He's doing okay, but I mean, it's going to be tough for him to get his goalie starts when his goalies are Spencer Knight, who's hurt, Felix Sandstrom, who's a backup, who he dropped already, it looks like, Daniel Tarasov, who looks like just got called up again. Um, so yeah, he's not going to get his starts every week. And if you don't get your starts every week, you're not, you're probably going to lose more weeks than you win. The only reason he happened to win last week was because he played a team that Oh, this is never mind. That was you last no, week. I beat him. You smoked him, but he didn't get his goalie starts. And I mean, he's probably not going to get them again this week unless Tarasov starts like three games or something. So uh, we'll see. Check back in with the Phantoms in, let's say, end of January, and we'll see where things are at that, that point. I like it. I like it. So what's next? Okay. So we are getting pretty close to hitting our hour already without getting into like. I've got a few more minutes for you, man. If you okay, want to go so, a little bit over, I'm good. I'm fine with going a little bit over, but the I think the only two major things that I wanted to touch on this week um, was, do you want to talk at all about the Char versus the Canucks whole kerfuffle thing with BXA and all that crap? I think it was clickbait. Like, what an idiot. Why would you come out and say that knowing that Kevin BX is on the biggest platform in the country? I had, syndicated. Why would you do that? That like, 
so the, the uh no the audio from char's thing uh kind of blew up because he was on some i don't know what podcast he was on but 32 thoughts took the audio and put it at the start of their show this week and that's where somebody that i know messaged me and was like oh char said some shit oh it's gonna be a big deal and i literally immediately was like this is nothing burger like i sorry to be that guy but there's no way this is true and everything i'm not a big bxa guy I think he's fine, whatever. It's better than some of the people they've tried, but. I'd want to be his friend. He said, him, I was 100% behind him. Like, 100%. Like, how, like, basically, you're calling into question the leadership group in Vancouver. Like, there's no way that that would have been possible for them to do without somebody seeing it and it getting out at the time. Like, it It was just, it, you can't just plan a parade in 48 hours. Like, you at least have to have something in place to make it work. I, I'd agree. And I think the big thing is, what was it, Glenn Healy kind of came to his, his, or not Glenn Healy, it was like Kelly Ruby. Yeah, Kelly Ruby. on the panel. He was like, we were there. Yeah. We literally had a camera on at all times if anybody was on the ice. We never saw that. So, like, obviously it's bulletin board material. This happens all the time. This yeah. is this is almost like I feel like Chara just watched The Last Dance and was trying to like get those Jordan vibes of being like I was disrespected and that like if if the only reason you're telling me the only reason the Boston Bruins won that championship is because somebody lied to them <laughs> like is that like could they not have win one otherwise like is that the he's like oh that made us really want to win or whatever like really like really like tell that's me, what it was. Tell me you aged out and missed the game without telling me you aged out and missed the game. Zidane, yeah. you go first. It was just, I don't know, whatever. I guess hockey is always going to blow everything up because nothing really happens in this sport that's not apparently horrible and abusive. So, <laughs> Yeah, kind of dumb. Uh, okay, so let's end the pod here or have our last conversation. Um, you wanted to talk about... You mentioned to me, Jersey, we, the, and then there was that whole tweet that blew up where it was like the Leafs top four forwards versus the Oilers top four forwards and who's better and where do you want uh, to attack this from? You know what? I'll hit Jersey real quick because that's like a 30-second conversation. So I was at the game, um, like Toronto, LA, and I was very fortunate. I was given tickets, um, and I was close to the bench. Like I was I – could, I could smell the players and the ice. It was me. Here's what I saw. The play before Pierre Engvall tried to chop his head off, allegedly. Um, Sean Dersey was in the corner with Engvall on an icing. And obviously Toronto had to keep the players out. And LA was like, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. Let's keep our players out too. I can swear on this thing, right? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. You can swear all you want. Well, if not, you got to bleep it out. So sorry. <laughs> um so the play goes back down the ice, and then they run into each other at center. And then, uh, like, very, very clearly, you could see Sean Dersey wind up to try and take Engvall's head off. And Engvall puts his stick up, catches the stick, and kind of pushes it down towards him and hits him in the head. And Dersey flopped harder than a World Cup player trying to get extra time. It was so egregious. 
and the bench went apeshit. And you can't see this on TV, or you can't hear it on TV. But do you remember the all-access Amazon thing where Joe Thornton called uh, Ellers a diver? This I've, guy's a diver. I've never watched it. Oh, you should watch it. It's great. <laughs> That's what the bench was going nuts about. That's what Bunting's like now famous whirly hands was going on about. Sean Dursey, I've been in that building on weeknights. That was the loudest that building has ever been in a weeknight game that I've been to. Anytime Dursey got near the puck, ooh, anytime he screwed up, it was just thunderous cheers. It was wild. But Sean Dursey, public enemy number one in Toronto. That guy is hated now. Enemy for life. And like Engvall did deserve a game. You got to control your stick. That, that, that He probably deserved more. I would have given him three because you're responsible for your stick. That's the rules. I didn't make him up. But like, just stupid. Now, as for this Edmonton thing, I've put a lot of thought into this. But do you want to give some context real quick? And we'll do this for a few minutes and then you can call it. So there, I forget where who the original tweet was. Was it Sportsnet that tweeted out originally? I think it was Kim and Sid. Okay. Basically saying like the top four forwards on the Leafs and the top four forwards currently on the Oilers, like who's better value, who's better and it blew up mostly because the the Edmonton Oilers actual Twitter account <laughs> quote tweeted it and basically said like based on more points essentially that the the Oilers roster is clearly far superior and since there are two Leafs fans currently on this podcast um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this Sean. <laughs> oh boy. So I was originally going to go pro Maple Leafs, hundred percent. And I was like, you know what? Why don't I look at this from the Oilers' perspective? Okay, so let's uh, let's just take a look at the Western Conference here. Oh, you got to do some scrolling to get to Edmonton. That's sixth overall, uh, sixteen wins, twelve losses, no losses in overtime. So that's pretty cool. Thirty-two points. Huh. The Maple Leafs, eighteen five and six, forty-two <laughs> points. Plus minus of twenty-three. Edmonton is plus five. Okay, we're starting to look at some things. Goals 493. Now Edmonton should be higher at 102. Now, I'm gonna I'm just gonna toss out two names here. I'm gonna actually toss out a few names. The Sedine brothers. Daniel Alfredson. Jerome McGinley. Um Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thornton. What do all these players have in common? They were peak players that never won a Stanley Cup. Yeah, and what else do they have in common? They don't play defense? Patrick Marlowe played defense. Okay, yeah. Ish. They, and Daniel Sedin was also like a Selkie nominee numerous times. So I think that counts, I guess, maybe. The point I'm after here is all these players had numerous, uh, like we've had nuts offensive careers year after year after year. And they didn't do much when the dance mattered. Now, I'm not saying the Maple Leafs have because they are famously out of the playoffs in the first round. And it pains me to, to say that. And yes, Edmonton has gone farther. And every team that's put out Edmonton in the West is just as smart as every team that's put out the Leafs. Except now, I don't know. 
I've watched a few Edmonton games recently just to see, like, because I want to see McDavid. I want to see him succeed. Will he succeed as an oiler? No. He might win a scoring title. He'll definitely win another MVP. Maybe two or three more at Ross's. Whatever. He's lights out the best player on the planet. But until Edmonton's brass does something about the peripherals of the team, they will never amount to anything. We talked about Tyson Berry earlier. Now, I believe the four players that Edmonton had in the comparison were um, Nugent Hopkins, Zach Hyman, um, Leon Dreisaitl, and Connor McDavid versus Toronto's big four, which are McDavid, or McDavid, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and Tamara. I I think just for context, I think it's it's let's just put Kane over Hyman and talk about it in a more general sense. But you can't because that's not the tweet. I guess. And if you if you if you do that, sure. Let let's take out Kane. Let's take out Hyman and put in Kane. Okay. Now I'm 100% taking the Leafs. I was going to take the Leafs like 75% originally. Now I'm 100% going to take the Leafs. Do you know why? Because Hyman's the only person who plays defense out of those four. That is <laughs> yeah. that is four players that play 100-foot games. And I know you and I, like, if you look through our chat, every time Nylander does anything spectacular on offense, Glass will send me a message being like, ah, did you see that? I'm like, yeah, did you see him forget to back check? He sat on the bench, in a, like, for the last 10 minutes of a 5 nothing game, and he was still the third star because he dogged it on defense. So according to the current player cards that were released today by the Athletic, um, I saw McDavid's and Matthews. It was like seventy-three to forty-three, right? William Nylander's defensive impact is rated as a sixty-eight. Zach Would Hyman's you... defensive impact is rated as a minus fifteen point seven. What was McDavid's? Forty-three, right? McDavid's defensive impact is thirty-eight overall, minus two point two. And what was Matthews? Matthews is, he is a 78 and a plus 5.3. And I'm guessing Marner is the best out of all eight players because he actually plays defense now. Marner is an 87 and a plus 7.7 and arguably one of the best defensive wingers in all of hockey. And John Tavares is one of the best, like, centermen. Tavares is a plus 3.1 and a 68. So he is essentially, oh, that was Nylander, sorry. Tavares is a 6.3 and an 83. So yeah, in the Marner category. Sorry, I just want to I want to confirm before somebody like yells at us. Tavares isn't a top 10 center anymore as in like point production. Although right now he is 100% doing it. I just I like I will acknowledge that like McDavid, Matthews, McKinnon, they're there's, all better. They're no. all way better. There's like a that's six classes higher, but he's still a top 10 center. He's maybe borderline like who who else is ahead of him but like Tavares, like Tavares just like in the season he's having right now and the last few years I mean as a second line center in the NHL I would say he's got to be one of the best in hockey unless you're putting Malkin Malkin's having a pretty good year okay well he wouldn't be the top center on Boston he would be on Anaheim he wouldn't be on he would be on Calgary. He wouldn't be on Carolina. Dallas, open to interpretation. I bet you he's a top 15 center. He's a number one center on half the teams in the NHL, for sure. Yeah. 
So, um, so I just looked at all the player cards here. Of the top four in Edmonton, not one has a positive projected differential for defense. And on the lease, all of them do. That's crazy. Now, you could say goaltending obviously has a lot to do with that, given how bad it's been in Edmonton this year. But I was also told going into this year in Toronto that their goaltending was garbage and wasn't going to be any good. So what is it then? Well, if, if you were going to break it down that way, like on paper, and this is going to piss off Edmonton fans who listen to this podcast, Edmonton's not good. They're barely hanging on to a playoff spot. Like, please take that in. For all the warts and all the ha-ha, Leafs suck, October, ha-ha, Leafs suck, look at the two teams. Look at them. Just straight up look at them. If you if you take McDavid and Drysaddle off of Edmonton, your top line is Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, Zach Hyman, and Evander Kane. If you take Martyr and Matthews off the lease, your top line is Tavares, Nylander, and Bunting. Yeah, Edmonton has nothing. Like, I, I think McDavid is a very special talent. And when we start seeing Connor Bedard in here, we're going to be talking about another centerman that's just lights out and just doing what he can. And I'm going to be really pissed when Connor, Connor Bedard and Connor McDavid are playing on the same line because you know what's going to happen. Somehow they're going to win the lottery because that's that's what happens. But you can't like the, the, the tweets without context are one thing, but if you look at the the pieces as a whole. I'd rather Toronto's banged-up defense last week without Brody, Riley, Muzzin, although I'm pretty sure his career is over, over Edmonton's scrap heap of defensemen that are Darnell Nurse and Tyson Berry. There, there isn't a single defenseman on the Oilers roster right now that I would put on the Leafs roster for any of the current players on the Leafs roster. Like, if you look at the player cards for Lilligren and Sandine this year, they are uh, 93 and a 92. Uh, defensive impact for Sandine is 8.1, projected 79 overall, and Lilligren is 12.4 and an 88. Well, like, these guys are legit top four defensemen, and they're a pairing that has played together for years and years and years in the minors. Like, they do stuff together as a pair that a lot of defensive pairs don't do because of that familiarity. 100%. And, like, Edmonton has one defenseman, two defensemen under contract for less than a million dollars. Philip Broberg and Evan Bouchard. Evan Bouchard could make a difference soon. But Darnell Nurse at 9.25 until 2029. Okay. He's 27 years old. They they overpaid him before like they set the market with that contract essentially. And that's a that was terrible for them to do. Like that guy's yeah. never, ever, ever going to make up the value in that deal. Ever. It doesn't matter how good he gets. Like he's already 27. Like he's essentially at his peak right now as a defenseman. And what's he going to get this year? 45 points and be like, what, minus 20? <laughs> like, like people clown on the Leafs cap situation. But take into consideration that McDavid, Leon, um, Hyman, and Hopkins take up majority of their cap. They've got nothing. Like, Depth alone is going to kill this team. I would love to see a Canadian Stanley Cup final. Who wouldn't? <laughs> America. But I would love, love, love to see Matthews McDavid. That would be, I think, the dream of all dreams until Toronto ended up somehow choking. But realistically speaking, if you look at that whole team, it's not just the four players. 
And Evander Kane, great offensive talent. Great offensive talent. But there's another player who won't back check, won't protect the puck. Like, I clown on Nylander a lot. And for what it's worth, it does look like he just disconnects his controller when the puck's going the other way. Okay. You're leading the Leafs with goals, but Matthews is also heating up. I just, I kind of compare the Oilers now to what the Sharks were in Marlowe and Thornton's prime. And McDavid's 25. If that team does not do, and like if they essentially, to me personally, if that team does not win a Stanley Cup or at least make a Stanley Cup final before this McDavid contract ends, how do you reasonably, as McDavid, even consider resigning there? How do you even do that? You can't. There's no way you can do that. Well, they're going to ask the same question about Toronto, right? Toronto's got to get out of the first round, maybe even the second round before they throw a checkbook at Matthews, but Matthews yeah, but, is going to, like I, I think it's I think it's pretty likely he's going to sign there's for near no, max. There's no Justin Bieber connection at all. Like that's a big to me I know a lot of people make fun of it or whatever, but to me Justin Bieber and Matthews being best friends and Bieber being a Leafs fan, that matters a lot. Like that's actually a pull that no other team in the NHL could have for Matthews. Because who wouldn't want to ride coattails with that guy and see the things and get the access that he has? Like Matthews can be the best player in all the NHL, but he cannot get into the rooms that Justin Bieber can get into. And the power he has in Toronto is unbelievable. Hundred like, percent. He's he's got everything. Him and Marner will both resign long term. And they're going to be Kane and Tate's. Now, would it be nice if they took a little bit of a haircut to help out? Yeah, probably. But they're also banking on the cap jumping up a lot more, right? 100%. And, the, like, I hate to say it, but if William Nylander signs another deal in Toronto, that would be shocking for me. Because to me, there's no way they'll be able to afford him. I think William Nylander will be dealt regardless. Like, unless they win a cup this year. Oh, they got to at least make a final or at least go to game seven of an East final or he's 100% getting dealt. Well, I'm calling it now. I think no matter, like, unless they win the cup to run it back, he's being dealt because I think one thing's already very apparent. I do believe Dubas has an extension already and it's just not being announced. And you'll know if he has an extension or not based on what assets he's allowed to move at the deadline. 100%. You don't let somebody go through the cupboards who's not going to be here in a few weeks. That's just the rules. I firmly believe that William Nylander, no matter what, will not be a Maple Leaf next year. Unless something drastically happens with Marner, your team is going to be Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Morgan Riley, John Tavares. Before. Michael Bunting is going to get an extension, and it's great that he's playing the way he is right now, because it's keeping his cost nice and low. You're probably looking at like half of a Neil or half of Zach Hyman. I think he was five five, and you're probably looking at three five, maybe four at the high end for Bunting, because he's also Matthews' bud. There's so many intangibles here, but when you look at it as a whole, there's no way Neilander's still on this team. Sorry. Okay. I don't I don't want to keep going down that road because it's going to be a sad day for me, especially if they haven't won a cup with him on the roster, but. Uh, one last thought I'm going to have here on the Leafs before we end the podcast this week is since my brother has already started texting me, what do we have to give up for Bo Horvat? If you actually want the Leafs to make any significant moves at the deadline, every single team is going to be asking for Matthew Nyes. 
every I don't team. Think, I don't think that's necessary for Horvat. Now. If I'm Vancouver, I'm giving him to the highest bidder. And if you're not giving up a first in Nyes, you're not getting him in Toronto. And that's fine. That's fine. Because my evaluation based on what he's going to make, he's going to walk. So unless unless you're willing to, to sacrifice – oh, God, I'm going to bring up Nylander again. Unless you know that you're going to re-sign Horvat to play in your top six and get rid of Nylander, that's not going to happen. You're not gonna get. You're not gonna unload the cupboards now. What makes it interesting is if you can add a Connor Garland into the deal, or uh, not necessarily like in love with the Luke Shen idea of a reunion, but he doesn't make any money, so it could be a nice sixth, seventh piece. Like he's a little bit more defensively responsible. However, Hall without Muzzin also looks kind of good. I think you're kind of looking at prospects like a Steeds or a Ty Boyd. And Ty Boyd playing lights out in the OHL is the absolute best scenario for the Leafs right now because you can dangle that guy. Matthew Nyes is coming up. He will be – he has a roster spot. The moment Harvard's out, he's there. Uh, he's the guy – I think anybody below him on my prospect chart I'd be willing to move, but he is the one guy that I don't move unless it's like a controllable top six player for at least three or four years. 100%. I was going to say, like, you, the only way you move Niemela or you move Nyes is if you are getting guaranteed control. If you like, want to acquire a Debrinkat. Okay. I was just going to say, since we talked about him earlier, Debrinkat is an RFA, so he would technically fall. But I can't see the Senators dealing anyone to the Leafs of that impact. I can for Matthew Nyes. I don't I don't think Nyes is worth to bring cat personally, but if I were to guess, there is like three players the Maple Leafs have circled that include Matthew Nyes, and one of them is probably Patrick Kane. He's not coming here. No, no but I'm saying I'm saying like that was a conversation, right? Like that yep. literally happened with Chicago. We know that happened. Do I think Patrick Kane will come here? For jokes as a free agent, maybe to play with Matthews, that'd be hilarious. But, I He's going no. to the Rangers or the Capitals as long as the, one of those teams can actually show that they can make the playoffs this year. Well, the, the Capitals are shit, so he's going to the Rangers. Like, they are bad. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised if Buffalo stayed like this magical hot if Kane ended up there next year, not this year. Oh, yeah, maybe like as a Giroux thing, like end my career in Buffalo back home type thing. But I do think he has some interest playing with Matt. No, I, I can't prove that, obviously, but... I just can't see him wanting to play in Toronto. He doesn't seem like that type of guy, especially at this point in his career. Yeah, do you think... <laughs> he'd have to deal with an awful lot of cabbies. Yeah, he'll, he's but, probably just takes Ubers now. I don't know. Hopefully by the next time I'm on, we're, we're talking a little bit more about what we think could come up. But there isn't a lot of players in the league that I would just give up knives for. You're more likely to move a Nick Robertson and Alex Steves a Ty Voigt. And our defensive depth is hanging on by a thread. Like this Con- Connor Timmons addition is great, but what does that spell for um, Justin Hall when Morgan Riley comes back and when they inevitably add another top four D-man? I, I don't think they add D. I think they add forward. I don't think they're touching their defense unless something really good comes along. I think they're kind of happy with what they have right now. I think they need a big body. They got Connor Timmons. He's like eight feet tall. Yeah, he's a big boy. 
but I don't I don't know. Like I think you can move Philip Crawl. I think the logical move for the Maple Leafs, if you really want to like fuck some shit up, is talk to Anaheim and see if you can do like a, a Frankie Vetrano and a Klingberg in one big deal for the year if you're making a really big push. Because Vetrano, I think, is three and a half or four million for the next two years. You have Kerfoot coming off the books. You could probably put Kerfoot in a deal for that, send a prospect, send a pick. Klingberg could be your PP2. You have Sandine and you have Riley for offensive threats as well. That's where I'm going. That's the only team I'm calling. I'm calling it. I am really interested to see what happens with Klingberg, given how awful his value has gone this year. Yeah, I know. You're not going to have to pay for him. It's great. And I think he's still, like, I, I'm pretty sure, unless I'm wrong, he's having a fairly decent season for himself. But the team's like, just it, too crappy there for him to so gain bad. any value. Like, so realistically speaking, you're going to get him at 50% retained. That's the cost. So you're going to get him at $3.5 million. What else can you take from Anaheim to make it work? Well, you're not going to get Zegras unless you're willing to blow your brains out. They wouldn't. They'd be the full that franchise if they traded him. You're not going to get McTavish on that team. You could make a compelling argument to possibly deal for Troy Terry, but I'm not even saying the Maple Leafs are going to do that. I'm saying like you could try and pry him out of there because you gotta you gotta spend money to make money. And giving Ryan Strom five years was stupid. I don't know if there's one. Maybe he could get a Max Jones as a throw-in since he's kind of cheaper for next year. I don't know. There's not really much on this roster that I even see. Is like I was thinking Silverberg, but he's still got another year left. So and he's worth like five point two. Ugh. Ugh. I I want like a Connor Garland or I'd want like a Frank Vitrano. Those are the players that I want on the outside. You want a Swiss Army knife that can score. All right. Well, um, we that did was a very special edition of your pod. Holy! <laughs> I think we did like forty minutes on um, trades in the in a one fantasy pool. So. Yeah, T-Bird people, if you like this, we'll come back and we'll just do it continuously. Not all, right. all the time. I'm not going to take over your show, but like, I I love when we talk about our own pod or our, our own pool. That's great. Well, you're welcome to come on in whatever week you are available. Uh, So thanks to Sean for coming on the podcast this week, and I will talk to everyone next week. Later.